Welcome to the Data for Betterment podcast, Reimagine Hybrid Work, with your host, Maribel Lopez. Maribel is the founder of the Data for Betterment Foundation and Lopez Research. The Data for Betterment Foundation is a nonprofit organization that helps individuals understand and prepare for how their career will change as companies embrace new technologies. Lopez Research, a market research and strategy consulting firm, helps companies understand how technologies such as connected devices, collaboration, cloud computing, and AI change the customer and employee experience. The firm's clients range from startups to global corporations, including 10 of the Fortune 30. She's also the author of the highly regarded business book on how those technologies are transforming the company, employee, and customer experience, Right Time Experiences, published by Wiley. She's also a frequent public speaker at corporate events and contributor at Forbes.com. Maribel is currently researching and writing her next book on how to build successful strategies for workplace transformation. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm really thrilled to be here today to talk about a topic that I've been spending a lot of time doing, and that's video. I'm here today with Michael Litt. He is the CEO of Vidyard. Uh, I've actually been talking to Michael for probably over a year off and on now about different things related to video, and I know he's an expert in the field. Michael, welcome to the podcast. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what Vidyard does. Thanks for having me, Maribel. Very excited to be here. So Vidyard is what we call a video platform for business. And our product breaks into two categories. The first one being our premium video hosting services, which is what marketing teams use, internal communications teams use, sales teams use uh, to host video, capture audiences' attention, drive action through those videos by adding calls to action, and then via our analytics system, understand who's watching those videos and for how long. And we can push that data into your marketing automation system, your CRM, so you get a really good understanding of the digital body language of your audience and how they're interacting with the content on your website. The other end of our product line is what we call our video creation suite. And that's a suite of free tools that are available as a mobile app, a desktop app, a Chrome extension, an Edge browser extension, and a whole bunch of products that allow you to easily create a screen recording or record from your webcam or the camera on your mobile phone, and then send that video to a customer, a prospect, a coworker, and obviously via the, the analytics system we have, get a notification when they watch it that tells you how much of it they viewed. Um, and that tool is very, very useful in the sales process, in the customer support process. It's very useful when walking a colleague through a design review or a, a deck review ahead of a meeting uh, to really kind of break down the amount of time we have to spend on synchronous video calls, which is very important during this time. So that's the full offering of what we do. I'm the CEO of that company, founded it at uh, Y Combinator in 2011. And yeah, very happy to be here. 2011, that seems so long ago now when you think about it and how much has changed, particularly as it relates to video. I mean, I'm not going to say how long ago, but I remember the first interview I ever did was with a video conferencing company at the very beginning of my career and to see, you know, how long ago that was and to just really see it coming to life now is fascinating to me, but we're finally here, right? So, so I think 2020 and 2021 was the year of the video conference. Um, but as you noted, there are a lot of different ways that people are using video. And I think one of the things that's been really interesting is how people are using video in the sales process. 
from where you sit, how do you find video transforming the sales solutions and cycles? Yes, great, great question. Yes, we have a front row seat to that transformation, uh, which has been phenomenal over the last year. We've always said, yeah, this is going to be the year video. This is going to be the year video. But I think the pandemic really forced us all to get comfortable being on camera and turning on our webcams and communicating because that was really the only way we were going to create those person-to-person connections. And if you think about the way business professionals communicate, there's synchronous methods like this, a video conference, a phone call, face-to-face meetings, dinners, lunches, etc. And then there are asynchronous methods, which are text-based, text messaging, email. But there really hasn't been a asynchronous video solution. And we always looked at the next generation of buyers and sellers and professionals inside of organizations. Uh, we classify them as the Gen Zs and said, well, these individuals have grown up in consumer life with Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok. And they're so comfortable with video, they're going to expect that to be a communication medium in their professional worlds. And so that's really why we built the tool. But of course, the pandemic forced everybody to get comfortable with video. So it happened sooner than we could have anticipated. So massive transformation. Um, The best anecdote, though, I can give in terms of how sales organizations are using our product is um, a customer anecdote, massive business, uh, $10 billion a year in revenue, 20,000 employees in the logistics insurance business, which, of course, this past year, uh, logistics was a uh, a very... uh, uh, interesting, I think, business line. And there was a lot of challenges, of course. Uh, and they used to sell, they have 1,200 sales reps. And they used to sell by whining and dining and doing golf games and steak dinners. And so they had a massive travel and entertainment budget um, that approached $10 million per year. Oh, my. So, yeah, <laughs> wow. unbelievable, right? And and think about the environmental footprint of that, just as a, as a side note. It's, it's, it's really interesting. So t- March 2020 came. And of course, no more meetings in person. So what does the organization do? They have to move to digital. And so they brought in Vidyard and a few other technologies to simplify the communication process, but they mandated the use of synchronous and asynchronous video. And for 10% of the cost of what they were spending before. So they spent a million dollars on software versus $10 million traveling entertaining. Pre-pandemic, they would do two to three customer interactions per day. Post-pandemic or in the pandemic and, and today with these technologies like Vidyard, they are doing a, they were able to do eight to 10 customer touch points per day. And so for 10% of the cost, they've tripled, if not quadrupled, the impact and the touch points and the productivity their sales team has had with their customers. And of course, their environmental footprint is you know essentially zero uh, on the sales process compared to what it was. And that budget's not coming back. You know, at most, what we've seen from large organizations is 10 to 20% of it will, because face-to-face is still an incredible thing. And it's still a very important part of doing business, but it's not as essential as it once was. And of course, it's way too costly, given the alternatives that we've all been made aware of through the past two years. Uh, I think this, you know, everybody had talked about the productivity gains, but just to what you're getting at there, I mean, that's a 
phenomenal amount of people that you can meet in a very short time frame. And it's accepted now. So I think we will get back to, as you mentioned, people uh, seeing each other face to face. I know a lot of the sales staff wants to see their clients face to face. But I also think that this is a great way to at least get some of those introductory meetings going and to be more efficient with your time in the sense of not every meeting requires face to face just the way not every set of content requires it to be synchronous. So there has been a lot of change in 2021. Was there anything that surprised you? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. I try not to be surprised. I think as the CEO of a tech company, it's it's about you know nice. seeing the future in a little bit of a way. But one surprising thing is certainly that the the hype for tech has continued. There hasn't been any slowdown in terms of the demand for uh, software adoption to uh, make systems and processes, et cetera, easier at businesses. Uh, and I think there was a fundamental realization, maybe by laggard adopters, that the promise of technology was real. And so we see, you know, stock market prices and multiples for tech companies still being at a very high rate. I think in the end of the day, the biggest surprise, though, for us all is that the way we work has fundamentally changed and the way we think about work has fundamentally changed. And as an employer, my job is essentially to create a space that is as attractive as possible to a marketplace mm-hmm. of talented employees. And what we're hearing is the vast majority of that marketplace wants to continue to have flexibility in hybrid work. And you know, we, we were a very in-office culture. We demanded that people spent time in the office. We don't have that choice anymore. And we're seeing you know, Apple employees write a letter to Tim Cook about you know, designated office time and that they don't want to do that. And I think the power dynamic has really shifted from the employer to the employees. Um, and that's only good for the world, in my opinion. And I think the companies that adopt to that way of working will be the ones that persist and succeed. Just like when the internet came along, companies that built websites and, and adapted that technology. And the ones that don't will quickly realize they have to or they'll cease to be relevant in the new employee marketplace. I absolutely agree with that. And we're seeing a lot of that tension right now of who wants to go back and how to go back and how to balance that. It's not, it's not easy. And I know that a lot of people are thinking about balancing it with technologies like video. So, but there, but there's video and everything, right? People are talking about embedding video and apps. Uh, People have numerous different collaboration tools they're working with. You talk to a lot of people, what kind of advice do you give them of how to think about the integration and use of video in their organizations. Yeah. Well, well, first of all, you you said something really interesting in the sales context uh, just a minute ago, which was that salespeople want to go and visit their their customers again. Which is I, I've I've heard this as well. And it's very interesting because McKinsey and Associates, the the global consulting group, did an analysis of thirty seven hundred companies, B two B companies, and asked them how they want to continue engaging with their sellers. Mm-hmm. And 80% of them said, we want to engage remotely. Mm, there you go. And so something really interesting has happened. The power dynamic has shifted, right? The salesperson used to believe that it was about building a relationship. And if you, have, if you got somebody to like you, they would likely buy from you. That's where the golf games and the steak dinners, et cetera, came from. But we now live in such a transactional world where the buyer is doing a ton of independent research they're validating their decisions. They're trying to solve a problem. The human being in that interaction 
is really just a deal broker, right? You're not selling, you're educating, you're informing, you're enabling this decision. That doesn't need to happen in person. And so one of the biggest pieces of advice we give to people is arm your salespeople with the tools that allow them, allow their buyers to be more efficient. And so, you know, asynchronous video does this in a number of of different ways. Mm -hmm. It's not just about sending a video to someone and saying, hey, how's it going? Name on the whiteboard, get them to click the video, build a relationship with them. It's all sorts of things. Like if you're doing a demo of a product on a call, record that demo, then send that video to that individual in the organization after it's done, because there are people that are involved in the decision-making process to buy that solution that weren't able to be on the call. And now that video can move through that team and it's essentially the sales rep that doesn't sleep. It speaks for itself and you get the notifications when they view it, et cetera. When you have to do a sales order review, walk through that via video, send that to the customer. Consensus buying is very common in the workplace and video is like this, you know, incredible, it's, I want to almost use the term virus that can go into an organization and spread virally to support the champion and their decision to use your solution. And so the most important thing here is allowing your team to use these products, but also to get comfortable presenting on video. Now, we hear a lot of things where people are like, you know, I'm just not comfortable on webcam. I don't want to turn my webcam on. But you're comfortable meeting customers in person. Really, what's the difference? And the cool thing about recorded video is you get do-overs, right? You walk into a boardroom and you botch the presentation. Unless you have a time machine, you can't do that over again. But with a, with a recorded video, you botch that video, you literally just hit re-record and you, you go through the presentation again. So I think the, the narrative here is get comfortable with, with video, get comfortable with speaking on video and understand that the quality doesn't need to be Super Bowl commercial quality. In fact, what humans are looking for is genuine quality. And that means ums and ahs and fumbles and, you know, little laughs and smiles and the things that make you human that you can't do with other asynchronous methods. But the scalability of video makes it really, really impactful and powerful. So those are kind of some of like the very easy kind of recommendations we use to help people think through why this matters. I, I love the fact that you talked about genuine and human because that is the power of the medium. You know, who are you? What are you trying to convey? How do you convey it? How confident are you in conveying it? So there's a lot of interesting profiling stuff that we could unpack with that. But, you know, it's, yeah. I, I think this is, this is where we are now. And it, it adds a lot of efficiency. So, but more than that, I think it adds a lot of engagement and a lot of human connection to it, which, you know, in some cases, people have talked about how they have more human connection now than they did in the pandemic, because they're always on video with people, people they never saw before, because they weren't in the office as an example. So that stuff to me is really fascinating. Okay. So there's a few places we could go right now, but one of the things I'm interested in is you've been in this space for a while. Uh, if you put your creative hat on, you know, how do you think video use will change or, or do you think we're going to be talking about something else? You know, sometimes people talk to me about augmented reality, mixed reality, uh, virtual reality. Is, is that sort of where you think we're going or what do you think is next for us? Yeah, I love this question, Maribel. Uh, so five years ago, I wrote a, we were building out our office and uh, we were spending millions of dollars retrofitting the space. And it was taking a very long time. 
it was always delayed. It was always more expensive than we wanted to be. <laughs> and by the time we, yeah, yes, it's like everything in life. Right? By the time we moved in, I had line of sight to when we would need to move out in terms of get a bigger space. And it was frustrating. And Facebook had just bought Oculus Rift. And I was thinking, you know, there's got to be a world in the future where we can build the VR workspace. If, if I bought every single person at Vidyard a VR headset, we would be able to work from anywhere in the world in this virtual workspace. We could create virtual rooms. We could have virtual hangouts. We could have you know, virtual stand-ups, big meetings. Um, and that would transform cities and travel, where people live, why they travel, the food industry, like the, the impacts of not needing to travel to an HQ and commute on a daily basis would be grand. And at that moment, I thought, wow, this is going to be transformative. I never once thought that we could already do that with video mm-hmm. conferencing. We're already in an augmented reality world where a lot of us aren't commuting. We're saving money. We're helping the environment. A lot of people have moved out of cities, are able to be productive, living anywhere they want with more affordable housing, better quality food. You know, the commute is no longer there. And so you get more time for work-life integration in your day. So it's amazing to think about this fact that this massive transformation to this augmented and virtual world in which we now live and work and play has already happened. And it didn't require the VR headset. It required the hardware and the technology we already all had, a laptop and a webcam, a mobile phone with a camera. So that's kind of like one of those like retroactive futurist thoughts, right? Where we're already in the future in a lot of ways. And I think contextualizing that way is really interesting. Now from here... There's a lot of really cool things we can do, right? Um, one, video is an incredibly powerful and rich medium. So right now, every second that passes, we're, we're capturing 25 images. Everything I say is being captured as an audio file. And I know this is, right now I can see you, uh, but this is a podcast. And so if you think about video as the, as the top of this funnel, as this very rich content medium, can easily be transformed into audio for broadcast, for engagement, when you don't necessarily have visuals. Podcasts are obviously a really great medium. But also, this audio can be turned into text. And we think about blog posts and content marketing. The challenge is reading a transcript isn't necessarily that exciting for a lot of people. But reading a well-written you know, written piece that has, you know, Maribel asked this question and Michael responded this way in a very kind of short form is exciting. And there's new technologies built around machine learning on specifically a GPT-3 that can take audio and convert those into easy-to-read blog posts, emails, etc. And so the future of video is that I think it's going to be the medium that's the starting point for all sorts of other content versus the other way around. Because video can be brought down the spectrum, whereas text cannot be brought up as easily. Mm. And then the last thing I'll say is in the distant future, you know, history doesn't necessarily repeat itself, but it rhymes. You know, we live in a world where email marketing is fully automated. And, you know, every email you get from a brand does not come from a human. It's based on the triggers and the things that you do in a sequence that retrofit you into this, you know, box of humanity that that has been split tested to buy more stuff if you receive this email. Well, 
we think about deep fakes and we think about facial recognition and we think about text based and you know there is there is already technology available that you could automate a human consultant service representative that can send you asynchronous communications that is a person that doesn't actually exist except for in this virtual world and we've seen deep fakes and all of these things starting to emerge the amount of processing power to create those is incredible but we know that computational cycles are are always getting cheaper and easier cloud computing enables you know very powerful dynamics uh, across multiple computes like you know billions and trillions of compute cycles per second and so i have a feeling that this technology is is actually not that far out and on the near near term horizon um, just like we automate an email we can auto- ultimately automate video communication so crazy thoughts but uh, yeah these are some ideas for the future I love it. I love exactly where we're going. So I've recently participated in a podcast and one of the things that someone asked was around recommendations. And I thought it'd be a great thing to add to my podcast. So the 10 second recommendation, recommend a book, TV show, travel, destination, course, anything that you think would be interesting for the audience to know about and why. Oh, great, great, great idea. Something that I've, I've started to uh, explore a little bit in my personal life is mindfulness and meditation. And I think in a world where it's more difficult to disconnect from work, because just like when we started carrying around Blackberries and all of a sudden we were tethered to our work, now the fact that we work from home makes it also very easy to be tethered to work. And so this, this practice of mindfulness is the separation of, of work and life. And uh, I came across a podcast with Matt Mullenweg, uh, who's the CEO of Automatic, who was one of the very first kind of large-scale distributed companies. Um, and he was talking to a gentleman named Sam Harris, who has an app called Waking Up. And Waking Up is a once-per-day, 10-minute-per-day uh, course that teaches you how to breathe appropriately, recognize your breathing, get into a mindfulness routine. Um, and I can say the, the, the modulation of my moods has, has evened out considerably. Um, and so if mindfulness is something that uh, you think about a little bit, or even if you feel frustrated or feel some anxiety about all the changes happening in the world, I highly recommend this app as a, uh, as a potential learning tool to help ease that, uh, that discomfort. That's fabulous. I've actually been using Headspace. I know a lot of people know Headspace, but uh, that's something that I've been thinking about a lot as well. I think when you have that lack of separation of work and home, it's nice to actually try to also bring that back. I think a lot of people struggle with that. I've worked at home forever, so it doesn't really bother me. But I've noticed as I've talked to my different clients and family members that this is something that's going to be increasingly important moving forward. So thank you for that. I'm going to have to check it out. And thank you for being a guest on the podcast. I look forward to talking to you again soon. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. 